0: Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. I hope you guys are doing good. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to get there in just a minute. How many of you remember um, math class in high school where maybe you or one of the other students in the class was sitting there just frustrated with with the math class and what's going on, because let's face it, if you're going into a math class, you are going to be frustrated, amen? Um, So so you go in there and, and maybe you or somebody else says, when am I ever gonna use this in real life? Why do I need to learn this stuff? I'm never going to have to use this. And and your math teacher gave you some sort of an answer that you know it was just kind of lame. Like, well, what about when? And they have calculators. They have computers. I, I do not have to know this stuff. How many of you are like that? And then your teacher, when they would give that response, um, you knew that it was just never a great response. Well, I have discovered the answer to the question, when am I ever going to use this stuff? Listen, I, I figured it out. The, The reason you need to learn this stuff when you're in high school is because you're going to have kids one day. Listen. And they're gonna come to you and ask for help for their homework. And if you didn't learn it in high school, how are you gonna help them, right? You have to learn this stuff because you have to help teach your kids this stuff so they can teach their kids and they can teach their kids and we're just full of all sorts of useless information. Amen? Come on. Come on. Now listen. I didn't mind helping my kids with their math homework when it was simple addition, simple subtraction, right? They have a a, a page full of like 50 problems and it's like seven plus eight, and then down here it's eight plus seven, and you're like, man, I am nailing this stuff. Get it figured out. I didn't mind helping them with that. And then you get to the multiplication and division, but mostly multiplication. The multiplication table's up to 11. Come on, somebody. I can do them single digits up to 11. You get to 12, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to do anything past 11. I know all those tricks. I'm out. And then it gets a little bit more complicated. And so Abrams, he's getting a little bit older. He brings his math homework home. The pages are longer. There's all sorts of chicken scratches and working things out all over the page. And it's just confusing and it's just a mess. And he says, Daddy, will you help me check my homework? And so I started to try to do that with him and sit down. And I thought, man, this is just taking too long. I don't want to do this. So I bring out the calculator, all right? And uh, because all I'm concerned about is the answer. Just make sure he gets the answer right. So I punch things into the calculator, and it's fine. It it goes a lot faster. But then I ran into another problem with the calculator. Because when he's doing division, uh, you remember this. When you're doing uh, division, you're working it out, the answer is like 23 remainder 7, right? Right? You remember doing that, and, and you checked your kids' homeworks. But when you type that into the calculator, it says 23 point something, and I'm like, mine says point something, you have a remainder, buddy, I don't know, and I'm not gonna work it out, so I'm just gonna trust you that it's right. <laughs> I, I think there is a market for calculators that do remainder somethings for parents to check homework with, I do. So, so if you're gonna put that together or it's out there, just you know, this is a, give me the rights to it because it's my idea. So you go do all the work and pay me for it if you, if you feel so led, amen? All right. Um, I remember in high school and in college, well, I didn't take math in college. That's why we got treasurers who do real good stuff for us because you don't want me doing that. But I remember in math in high school, getting the answer wasn't good enough. Do you remember this? You couldn't just get the answer. What did you have to do? You had to what? Show your work, right? You had to show your work. Remember arguing with the teacher, like, I got the right answer. He says, it doesn't matter, you didn't show your work. What's the point? If I got the right answer, I don't need to show my work. And sometimes, and, and sometimes you, would like, you would show your work, kind of, like you would just kind of fill in that, that area, hoping that they would just skim over it and making sure you get the right answer. And sometimes you would show your work, but the work would be wrong, you'd get the answer right, and you would still get the, the question wrong because you didn't do the work right. Arguing with the teacher, I I got the right answer, but you did the work wrong. Let's go through it. And we're going through it. And he's like, this, this seven, where did this seven come from? Like, I don't know. When you're doing math, sometimes numbers just come to you. And I put a seven there, and it just, it it worked out right. And he's like, you didn't do it right. I don't care that you got the right answer. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. It doesn't matter. You didn't do your work right. You didn't show your work. It wasn't good enough. I didn't know Why getting the right answer wasn't good enough, I didn't get credit for it. And those horrible, life sucking monsters that we call math teachers, amen? Come on. And I know if if you're a math teacher in here, I'm not talking about you, right? Really, I am because you guys are terrible. But what they taught us is this there's a difference between getting the answer right or getting the right answer and getting it right. Let me say that again. There's a difference between getting the right answer and getting it right. Say it one more time. There's a difference between getting the right answer and getting it right. I feel in my heart, in my spirit, that this could be one of the most important things you hear me say this year. I'm getting it out of the way early so I can just coast through the rest of 2017. There's a difference between getting the right answer and getting it right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, and this is Jesus speaking here. If you have your Bibles, it's probably in red. Okay, This is Jesus talking, and this is what he says. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen again. Not everyone, Jesus says, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. Not everybody who looks at me and says, you are the God, you are the, the, the Christ, you are the Messiah. Not everybody who looks at me and says, you are the Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, Jesus says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24 says this, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. Verse 26, But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. There is a difference between getting the answer right and getting it right. I'm not saying that right, okay? There's a difference between getting the right answer and getting it right. Jesus is talking about people and to people who got the right answer. But he's saying, even still, you didn't get it right. He's talking about people and to people who who can fill in all the correct blanks. He's talking about people and to people who have looked at him and identified him as God, but they're still getting it wrong. He's talking to people and about people who are praying and prophesying and casting out demons and performing miracles, and he's saying even them, they're not getting it right. They know all the right answers, they know all the right things to say, but they're not getting it right right. And, and, and Jesus is saying, there's going to be a moment in, in eternity where, where we have to separate the, the believers from the non-believers. And there are going to be some that, that are going to be uh, uh, directed over here into the non-believer pile. And, and they're going to argue, they're going to say, wait a second, Jesus, what's up with this? Didn't we do all of this stuff? Didn't we get all the right answers? Didn't we say all the right things? And Jesus is going to say, yeah. Yeah but you didn't show your work. But did you show your work? The title of the message this morning is Resolve with the, emphasis, with the emphasis on the solve, S-O-L-V-E. Let me go back to our math illustration that we started with here this morning. My high school math book, and yours was probably the same way, um, all the answers to all the odd questions were in the back of the book. You remember that? All the answers, like how great is that? You get half of the answers in the back of the book, but the only good that the answers did was to prove whether or not you did the work right, right? You still had to do all of the work. You still had to solve the problem. You still had to work it out. The only good that the answers did was to prove whether or not you did the work right, and I don't know what your teacher did, but, but my math teacher still made us do all the problems, even though the answers to all the odd ones were in the back of the book. You see, it wasn't hard, at least in the odd ones, to get the right answer. The hard part was coming up with the right answer. The hard part was solving the problem. The hard part was getting to the right answer. You see, answers are easy to come by. Amen? Answers are really easy to come by. The answers may be printed in the back of the book, but you still got to solve the problem. You may be somebody who, who dated somebody really, really smart, and so answers were easy to come by, but you still have to solve the problem. You may be married to somebody really, really smart, and your spouse is never wrong. Anybody married to somebody whose spouse is never wrong? You're wrong in not raising your hand, and they're going to let you hear about it. It's easy to come up with answers, but it's hard to solve the problem, maybe when you were in high school, you were the bully that shoved the nerd, the smart kid, into the locker, and you made him stay there until he gave you answers. Look, we can come up with all sorts of fun, unique, and creative ways to find answers, but it doesn't mean that we're getting it right. We still have to figure out how to solve the problem. Let's say you have questions on parenting. I know that um, the only time in your life when you knew how to parent was before you had kids, okay? Before you had kids, you're like, oh, this parenting thing is easy. You know, feed them. You know, don't kill them. I mean, that's, what else do you have to do, you know? Uh, But once you start having kids, you realize that that you have a ton of questions, and you realize that you don't even know if you're asking the right questions, and so you need some answers. And so uh, let's say you have some questions about parenting. Look, there are thousands of books, and every single one of them are filled with answers. And chances are you have read a book on parenting filled with answers on parenting but you still have to work out the solution and that's really hard amen just because you can give the right answer doesn't mean that you're getting it right and chances are um, you are smart enough to be able to give the right answer when it comes to parenting but that doesn't mean that you're parenting right Let's say you have a question on leadership. There's more books and blogs on leadership uh, than you can count, and every single one of them are filled with answers. This is how you lead. This is how you direct. This is how you, you inspire people. Every single one of them are filled with answers, but you still have to work out the solution. So you have a question about marriage all sorts of books on marriage. Maybe there's uh, somebody in your life that you're looking at or you're looking up to and you think, man, you got a great marriage. Could you just give me the secret? T- tell, me, tell me what it is that, that makes your marriage so awesome and so full of life and, and, and just, just help me to, to know what the answer is and, and whatever their secret is, whatever they have made work, whatever their solution is, they can give you an answer. Books can give you an answer, but you still have to work it out you still have to solve the problem of two sinful people living together, right? It's, it's easy to get the right answers, but it's difficult to get it right. Every couple that I've ever talked to that have gone through premarital counseling, um, they have the right answers. Every single one of them. I've never asked somebody a question and their answer was just completely out in left field, off and ridiculous. Every single one of them have the right answer, you know? What are you going to do when this situation arises? Oh, we're just going to look at each other and just fall in love all over again. We're going to have open and honest communication. We're going to be forgiving and we're going to be respectful to each other. All the right answers, right? And then two or three months later, it's like, I hate him. He's lied to me and and all this. Like, it's easy to have the right answers, but it's difficult to get it right. Let's say you have a question about God or the Bible. If Sunday school taught us anything, it's that the answer is always Jesus, right? How many of you grew up in Sunday school? The answer is always Jesus. But you still have to work out the solution. How many of you know that you can apologize for something and still be wrong? You can apologize and still be wrong. I'm sorry you're not smart enough to understand what I'm trying to tell you can't be mad at me, I just apologize to you, right? You can apologize and still be wrong. You can do the right thing and still be wrong. You can forgive somebody and still be wrong, right? You can can say, you can go through the motions, you can pretend, I forgive him, I forgive him, but I still wouldn't mind to see terrible things happen to him, right? I forgive him, but I want the absolute worst for him, right? You can forgive and still be wrong. Just because you know the right answer doesn't mean you got it right. Just because you know what you're supposed to do and you've gone through the motions doesn't mean that you got it right. Scripture commands parents to love, train, and discipline their kids, right? Scripture tells us to discipline. So you're going through, you got your kids, they're driving you crazy, you fly off the handle, you scream, you belittle, you overreact, right? Then when you start feeling bad, you're like, it was just discipline, I'm I'm the disciplinarian, and this is how I do it. Yeah, but you didn't do it right. You can discipline, but still get it wrong. You know, there are some kids that need a good spanking. There's some kids that they just need to be spanked. Amen? There are some parents that just need a good smack upside the head, too, because sometimes it's your fault. You're just not doing it right. Repentance. Let's think about repentance. There are some... Use repentance like a personal get out of hell free card, because you know the right answers. And so this is how it works out: you 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 do your thing, you you pursue your sin, and and you you pursue your sin of choice, which, whichever one it is. Right? I mean, we could go through and list sins and, and, until we found yours, but but you know what I'm talking about. You know what your sin of choice is. It's usually that sin that feels good for a season, for a moment, and so you you. Pursue your sin of choice, and when the Holy Spirit is is um, flashing those warning signals in your heart before you actually engage in that sin, he's telling you this isn't right, um, that, that conviction wells up inside of you, and, and God is saying, like, I want better for you, uh, don't do this, we, we've already been working through this, I mean, I, I've provided a way out for you, just stop where you are, don't, don't move forward, you already know the right answers, you've already convinced yourself that I can engage in this sin, I can pursue this sin, and then on the backside of it, all I have to do is repent, and it's all good. On the back side of it, all I have to do is say, um, um, God, I'm sorry for, Jesus, please forgive me for, and then you can state your sin, and then, and then you know God just throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, and, and it's as far as the east, it's from the west, and all of those one-liners that make us feel really good about ourselves, because if we say, I'm sorry for, if we say, God, forgive me for, then he has to do it, and his hands are kind of tied, right? And so a lot of times we will pursue our sin knowing that on the other side of it, I just have to say, I'm sorry for And it's just, it works out perfectly, right? Repentance is great. Repentance is the right thing. But just because you have the right answer doesn't mean that you got it right. Are you following me? Maybe you're faithful to your spouse. Maybe you're not cheating. Maybe, maybe you, you are um, there and you're loyal, but you take them for granted and you treat them like garbage. Like, like, good, it's great that you got it right here, but you're still not getting it right. The answer is easy to come to. Working toward the right answer, working through the solution can be extremely difficult. Knowing the right answer is easy, but getting there can be frustrating. Working it out, solving it can be time-consuming, it can be draining. That's why so few people actually do it. So it's so much easier to just copy the right answers from the back of the book than to figure it out, to solve the problem, and to put it into practice. I believe that there are secrets, there are mysteries, that there are wonderful aspects of God and his kingdom, that he is anxious to reveal to to his people and to his church but he's just right now looking for someone who is willing to do the difficult work of not just discovering the right thing, but doing the right thing. He's looking for people who, can't, who, who, who aren't content to just repeat the right answers, but are willing to apply the right answers and to work through the solution. I wonder, do you suppose that, that Peter understood some things about Jesus that none of the other disciples did because Peter was willing to do what none of the other disciples were willing to do? Is it possible that that Jesus revealed himself to Peter in a way that nobody else understood because Peter, when he looked at Jesus walking on the water while he was standing there in the boat, he says, Jesus, I believe, and because I believe, command me to do because I want to do, and Jesus says, Come out on the water with me. And so, you know, he steps out on the water. He's walking on the water with Jesus. My, my guess is there was something that welled up in his spirit. And we know that Peter sunk and he took his eyes off Jesus and everything else. But, but Peter walked on water with Jesus. And he actually did what none of the other disciples were willing to do. Command me to come. Come. Okay, he went. Do you suppose that Paul understood some of the wonders and mysteries of God? That, that very few of us understand? Not just because God revealed himself to him, not just because Jesus spoke to him, but because Paul was willing to do things that so few people are willing to do? Is it possible that, that Paul understood things about the kingdom of God because he was willing to endure prison? Because he was willing to endure beatings? Because he was willing to endure rejection? And is it possible that there are things that Paul understood about God, not because it was all revealed to him, but because he put into practice what he said he believed? That in that moment where Paul was drugged out of the city and, and beaten until he was dead, and then the Spirit of God breathed life back into him, and he rose up, and he walked back into that same city? like That is faith in action. Amen? But So many of us are convinced that we don't have to do the really hard work of living out our faith. We're convinced that we shouldn't have to show our work. We're convinced that we shouldn't have to show our faith because we already have all the right answers. Because we've already read the books. Because we've already looked in the back and we can show you the answers. But I believe that Jesus would say, no, I'm not so concerned about the right answers. I want you to show me your work. Show me your faith. What if we get to heaven and don't get credit for having the right answers? Let me say that again. What if we get to heaven and we don't get credit for having the right answers? What if we die and we're standing before the Lord and he says, I I see that you have all the right answers, good for you, but did you show your work? I see you have all the right answers, but did you show your faith? Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 again says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter The kingdom of heaven, only those who actually do, say do, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be a really frustrating, disappointing, and scary day for a lot of people. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. Jesus requires us to show our faith. Show your faith. Show your faith. Show your faith. So, so how we're going to end this our time together here this morning is I have three formulas for you this morning. It's gonna I'm trying to tap into that inner math nerd in there that that's there, and uh, these aren't complicated formulas because my expertise stopped at addition and subtraction. So these are going to be real simple for you. All right, the first formula is this: faith minus works equals deception. Faith minus works equals deception. Knowing without any doing, is extremely dangerous. Knowing the right answers, without applying those to your life, is extremely dangerous. Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, if you have your Bible there, highlight it, circle it, draw a little skull and crossbones by it, (laughs) make a scary face, like angry, like ah, scary face, right there by it, because this has to be one of the scariest verses in all of scripture. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's easy to read those things and think that applies to somebody else. But what if it applies to us? It's a scary verse. There are countless people, Jesus is saying, in our communities and in our churches. My guess is there are a number of people here in this room this morning, even the super Christians who are willing to brave the weather and come on a a nasty day, right? That are here this morning who are walking around with a false sense of spiritual security. There's some of us here who are so self-assured and confident because we've read the Bible and we got the right answers and we listen to the sermons, but we aren't doing the will of the Father. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father. You know, but are you putting anything into practice? You say you believe, but is your lack of action and obedience exposing your lack of faith? There's nothing scarier or more dangerous than a false sense of salvation. I I was talking to a guy in our church last week, and he's one of those guys that just kind of shoots straight with you. I mean, he's always just kind of speaking honest. And, And I love that about him. I find it refreshing And um, he said, you know, when I talk to people, when I'm leading Bible studies and and praying with people or just, you know, um, witnessing to people that that I work with and stuff, he says, I often ask them, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're saved? It's a simple question, but it's pretty profound. Are you sure you're saved? When was the last time you looked into the mirror, you did a little bit of a self-examination in your heart, and you asked yourself, are you sure you're saved? Like, like, are we, are we just going through the motions? Do we just have the right answers or are we doing the right thing? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In this new year, it would be a great time to re-examine, to re-evaluate our spiritual condition. Let us not be living in a powerless sense of spiritual security. I think one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to convince us that we're walking in right relationship with God when we're actually far from him. I think one of the greatest, the, the, the greatest tactics of the enemy is to sing us a lullaby, to sing us asleep, and say, oh, you believer, oh, you Christian. I believe that the enemy in, in our thoughts and in our minds is calling us believers, is calling us Christians. Many people, he's calling them believers and Christians who aren't but if he can convince them that they are without actually putting anything into practice, then he's one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, and we can be sure that we know him if, like if, if you wanna be sure that you're saved, if you wanna be sure that you're a disciple, you wanna be sure that you're in right relationship with him, it says we can be sure that we know him if, if, if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show, get that, they truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. How do you know? Are you sure you're saved? Well, there's a way to find out. There's a way to know. There's a way to prove it. Obey his command. If we obey his commandments, then we show how completely we love him. The second equation is this. Works minus faith equals destruction. Works minus faith equals destruction. The good you do will never outweigh the bad in you. Say it again, the good you do will never outweigh the bad in you. On occasion, I'll be asked to pray for a family member or a friend of somebody in the church who is sick um, in the hospital. Maybe they're in some type of hospice care, which, which that means that uh, um, they're, they're days, weeks away from passing away, and the doctors and the nurses uh, that their their job now is just to make them comfortable um, as they're preparing to die. And, and in those conversations and in those prayer sessions that I have with those, those can be some of the sweetest times uh, with people who are believers and they're waiting to go home. I mean, just such faith welling up inside of them, and you can just see it and you can sense it in them. And like, man, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I'm ready to see Jesus. You know, I'm ready to be united with all my loved ones who I know are in heaven. And there's just this sense of excitement and anticipation. But then there's others who don't have a relationship with the Lord, and there, there is a lot of nervous energy in the room. Uh, Those people whose faith is very limited. They don't go to church. They don't uh, have a trust in Jesus. It's a little bit of a different atmosphere. And um, most often in those conversations, at some point, I'll hear something like this, or they'll say something like this. I was a good person. You know, I treated everybody with kindness. I didn't kill anyone, you know. I haven't heard any deathbed confessions yet. said, um, I wasn't perfect, I had my issues, I had my flaws, and sometimes they'll like tell me some of those, and it's like, okay, I don't need to hear, hear that. Um, I wasn't perfect, but, but I, was, I was a pretty good person, I was decent, I just hope that I did more good than bad in my life, and that's enough to get me to heaven. That's the same line that almost everybody says, I just hope that I did more good than bad in my life, and that's enough to get me to heaven. And it's in those moments where it creates a little bit of awkwardness because I don't want to give them a false sense of spiritual security. I don't want to, in those moments, say, you know what, I bet you probably did. And let me just tell you, All of you in here, before you find yourself in that moment, on on that bed, where you're just hoping that maybe you did more good than bad and hope that that will open the doors of heaven for you, let me just tell you very clearly right now, it won't, okay? It won't. I just hope that I did more bad than good, and that's enough. It's not. It won't open the doors of heaven for you. Any attempt to earn heaven on your own merits and efforts is going to fall impossibly short. It's going to fall impossibly short. You cannot do it. Have you ever been working outside maybe in the yard or in the garage or or you're bringing the groceries in and you had to get salt for your water softener and those bags are really heavy you know and you're like struggling to carry those things down down the steps or whatever and and your your young child is there watching and they want to help and so uh they see you struggling with something and you know it's like going to make you sore tomorrow and and uh they see you struggling to lift it and they say daddy can I help anybody that ever happened to you? Uh, me and two other people. Great. This analogy is going to work well. Um, well, that's happened to me. And uh, they, they, say, they say, you know, Daddy, can I help? And, and you know that they can't lift it. I mean, you can barely lift it. And, and so you say, okay, because you're going to teach them a lesson. You want to prove to them how strong you are, Right. And so you say, okay, lift your arms, put your arms out, and, and they put their arms out and 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 you go to to place this item in their arms and you let them feel a little bit of the weight of it, and you begin to, to let it down in their arms a little bit, and they're like, I got it, I gotta just give it to me. And and you begin to to give them a little bit more and more of the weight, and they're like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, you know, Daddy, help! You know, oh, I can't do it. And they realize that they can't do it. And you're like, see how strong Daddy is? I can lift this. This is why you, your mommy loves me. You know, because, you know, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We've all done that. We've all done that. Um, uh, there are some who want to live by the law. Okay, there are some who want to who want to. Earn their salvation by the good that they do, by their good works, by their right choices and good decisions. They want to do good things, the right things. They want to carry the weight of their own salvation. That they want to carry the load of their own salvation. And so what they do is they, they look to God and they say, God, I got this. I know this is a little bit heavy for you, uh, you know, but 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 I got this. And so so, God, you put the weight of my salvation on me and, and I'll carry it. And so, God, in, in his grace and in his mercy, um, he, he will begin to pass over a little bit of that weight, not fully putting it all on us, because he knows it'll crush us, but but he he lets us experience the weight. He lets us feel the weight of it. So we put our arms out and God puts the weight of the law, put put the weight of right decision and making right choices and doing good things and earning our own salvation in our arms and and he puts it on more and more and we're like, oh oh, wait, 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 wait that's too much, it's too heavy, Jesus help. And so um, what God does is he will let us feel a little bit of the weight of the law and then he will pull it back off of us and say, you can't do it. That's why I sent my son, Jesus because he can. And when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law he took all of the weight of the law off of yourself and bore it on himself on the cross and so that you don't have to carry that anymore and so some of us are like thank you Jesus thank you God it is so refreshing I have freedom I can live life without bearing the weight of the law but there are others who say no 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 you just you just let me carry it I don't care about the power of the cross. I don't care that the cross has eliminated the the, the weight of the law. You just let me carry it. There are others who are determined to carry and bear the weight of their own salvation and they're crushed by it. Luke chapter 11, verse 46, Jesus says, yes, what sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law for you crush people with unbearable religious demands and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. Works without faith is legalism it's destructive, it destroys hope, it destroys people, it destroys the church, it destroys the kingdom, it, it's, just, it's, it's unbearable. Number three is this, faith plus works equals devotion. Faith plus works equals devotion. I want this to be the year that I behave how I believe. I want this to be the year that I behave how I believe. A fully devoted follower of Christ isn't hard to spot. We have so many people that are walking around sort of this camouflage Christian type, you know, a secret agent Christian. I don't want anybody to know. On Sunday I'll be a Christian, but I don't want anybody to know anywhere else. But a fully devoted follower of Christ isn't hard to spot because they believe the word and they do the word. A fully devoted follower of Christ will, will share their faith, but they'll also show their faith. And, and we got to be careful not to lean too far on either side because they're both important. There are so many people who, who, who believe and, and they think that faith and works contradict each other. That, that I can't earn salvation, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stand over here and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But I'm not going to do anything because that would be legalism. And there are others who stand on this side and say, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do. I don't know if God can, but if he can't, I'm going to make sure I can. Faith and works don't contradict each other. Uh, they complement each other. They're meant to, to go hand in hand. They're meant to live in unison. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, Now someone may argue, some people have faith, but others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Show me your faith. James says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I'm not just gonna talk about it, I'm gonna show you. I'm not just gonna give you the right answer, I'm going to do the work. Show your faith, it isn't good enough to have the right answers. If I say this year, I'm gonna serve Jesus, then I'm going to do the things that Jesus did. Stand to your feet all across this place for me. Can we do this? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes here? Now there are some of you here and you realize for the first time that Jesus is the answer. You've been trying to bear the weight of your salvation on yourself. Like, man, that's that, it's too heavy for me. I'm realizing this for the first time that that it's it's Jesus who is supposed to carry this for me. And and it's like you're looking in the back of the book and, and you're seeing the answer for the first time, and you're realizing that. Life and faith and trust in Jesus is where it's at. That's where the, the burden is lifted, and I need that. And so and so when you begin to realize what the right answer is, then it's going to require you to do something. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, here is the do. This is this is what scripture says to do to to confess. Jesus as your Lord, to repent of your sin, to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God and to accept Him to be your personal Lord and Savior, and and to basically follow Him as your King. And there are some of you here that have never done that before, and you would say, man, for the first time, I want to do this. Because I believe this, I want to do this. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, there's lots of privacy going on. If you would say, "I believe this," so I know I need to do this, would you just raise your hand real quick and acknowledge that? I see hands popping up all over the place. Hands popping up all over the place. So, just fair warning, you guys can put your hands back down. In just a minute, we're going to invite you to come forward, stand around these altars, so we can pray with you. But, but there's another group that I want to talk about. There's there's others who um, y- you you are here this morning, and and you've just been content to sort of acknowledge your faith, but, but you haven't shown your faith, and you would say, this is the year, this is the year, 2017, I'm going to show my work. I'm going to show my faith. Um, maybe, maybe you used to do this, and you just said, man, i got to do this again. I, I'm not just going to rely on having the right answers. I want to do the right things. I don't wanna just share my faith, I want to show my faith. And, and man, this year, I just need to do better. I just need to do better about being obedient. I just need to do better about showing my faith. I need to do better about showing my work. I've, I've got caught up in this lie that because I have the answers, it's all good, but, but I need to live it. I, I, need to, I need to acknowledge it with my actions. If that's you and you're in this place, could you just raise your hand real quick? Say so this year, I, I need to show my faith and I know it. I need to live my faith and I know it. This year, I'm going to do that.